0: Well good evening. Good to see everybody tonight. I hope you've had a great week so far Um, and glad to have those of you who are joining with us there uh, online. You can join us on Facebook, on Twitter, on YouTube. Uh, Be sure to heart to like to share uh, each one of those posts. Uh, Be sure to uh, share those, give the thumbs up and all those things because that'll just help to get the word out even more. Uh, to others and then also uh, welcome to those who are there on our phone live uh, streaming uh, so thanks for joining us uh, there also and then don't forget go to our church website at hollandbaptistchurch.com it's under the info tab there that you can download this week's worship bulletin encourage you to get that done uh, at least have a copy of it if you don't have one from church on Sunday or come this Sunday and get one Uh, We've got lots of upcoming activities uh, throughout the month of December. They're in our newsletter, but the more current information is there in the newsletter uh, and the bulletin each week over the newsletter. So those are in the windowsills if you need them uh, here in person. They're out here in the hallway uh, also, but you can get them there on our website at HighlandBaptistChurch.com. Also under the info tab there, uh, you can find the children's worship bulletin, so be sure to get those downloaded there. Uh, and and, uh, you can share those, just sharing the link with anybody uh, out there on social media. They're in the windowsill over here to my right and then especially while you're under the info tab for tonight, be sure to get the prayer list downloaded so you can have at least a digital copy there. You may even want to print it if you've got a printer at home. If you need these in person, they're on the front row here. Uh, Just raise your hand and somebody will be glad to come around and give you one. If you see new people come in uh, after we've given those out, uh, please make sure they get one. Uh, also while you're there on our church website if you'll go to the far left far right hand side uh, click the give online tab Uh, they're a real easy platform to set up your online giving Uh, also to do your Lottie Moon Christmas offering giving so encourage you to take the time to do that I hope you're being blessed this week with the prayer week of prayer for uh, Lottie Moon Christmas offering there's a lot of information in the prayer guide so be sure uh, to get that Uh, a copy of that. You can get those here in person. Uh, We are sharing those on social media. Uh, Sometimes they don't get them out on the IMB's uh, Facebook page for us to share until later in the day. We've not shared today's yet, but we'll be doing that uh, later this evening. So you'll have today's and then tomorrow's will come out about 10, 11 o'clock usually. Uh, But you want to encourage you to pray uh, for those missionaries. Pray about what you would give uh, towards that. And then just wanna challenge you also, uh, we shared with our our Awana kids tonight and the CDC kids uh, this morning that we're learning about uh, Lottie Moon. And if you know anything about Lottie Moon, Lottie Moon was about four foot three inches. Uh, she's about this tall, uh, not very tall at all. Uh, But she was a lady who felt the Lord calling her to go to missions in China. And one of the primary ways that she used, she used many ways, but one of those ways was uh, she made cookies. Uh, She made so many cookies, in fact, that she became the cookie maker. Uh, Is what many people would call her, Uh, and she would give those things away. She'd give her own food away and and suffer herself uh, without food, so that others could be able to eat, and also so she could be able to share the gospel. That was one of the ways she used to share the gospel. So we've got her tea cookie uh, recipes here. If you want to get one of those tonight, or if you want to get one Sunday, come and grab one of those. Uh, I'm just going to put those down here at the front, somewhere on the stage, probably over to my right uh, as I leave off the stage here in just a moment. Uh, But just I want to encourage you to uh, to we didn't bring you cookies like we did the Awana kids, <laughs> so I brought them some cookies uh, tonight to remind them of that. But I'd encourage you to do those kinds of things also. Use this as an opportunity to give cookies to your neighbors uh, at Christmas, maybe as a way to uh, people at work or people that are uh, that you know that may not know Christ or may not or don't go to church anywhere, uh, that you could use it as an opportunity to, to bring them a Christmas gift in a way uh, that you could then invite them to come uh, to worship with us. And then also don't forget Awana next week is going to be our happy birthday, Jesus party, and I want to combine. Uh, we are going to have our, our regular chapel time in here uh, with the council time, uh, but then we'll be, they'll be doing a lot of activities uh, back in the fellowship hall. We will still have our Bible study uh, in here, so I encourage you to come and to join us with that. And then we do have a few of these, I think, left around. They're on my left over here, your right, on the stage. If you want to share these with your friends about uh, Chosen Road, who's going to be here December the 20th on a Tuesday evening there at 630, we've put that on our Facebook page and there's a link to the event uh, that is there too. So I encourage you to let us know you're coming uh, so that we can, uh, that'll also just help with, with all those algorithms out there on Facebook and all those things to get that word even further. I think the last I looked after just sharing it for one day, we already had Uh, reach somewhere around 535 uh, through that just putting that out there on social media but the more you share it the more you like it uh, the more you just go to Facebook there and just say I'm thinking of attending Uh, that'll just help to get the word out there and it'll cause them to put it uh, prominent for people to be able to see that so glad to have you worshiping with us tonight Uh, we're going to be in a new study tonight so you'll find out what that's about tonight so brother Mike if you will come and lead us we're looking forward to the chosen road coming Uh, if it don't quit raining we might all invite the soggy bottom boys Um, take your hymnals and uh, turn to 416 my faith looks up to thee 416 Miss Pat
1: my faith me
0: That was my fault, Mike. I forgot to tell Ben that we were only doing those three verses, the first, second, and last, uh, so that he could uh, only do those um, out of that song. Uh, We put the hole on there in case we ever decide to sing all four, and that way we don't have to go back to redo the song. Uh, If you will, hopefully at home you've had time to get your prayer list downloaded, or maybe you've got some requests there. Uh, I'm going to switch over on my iPad here for just a moment to get over to uh, social media there, where I can be able to follow uh, along, Let me turn my volume down also. And uh, if you uh, have a prayer request that you want to share, uh, that's where we'll be following uh, your prayer requests. We'll be following those on Facebook, so be sure to, to communicate there. You can share those in an email uh, if you so desire. Uh, we encourage you to do that uh, also. Let me make sure I'm connected in here. Yep. There we go. Okay. And so that's where I'll be looking to make sure if you have any prayer requests uh, during this time. Uh, so I'll rely on some others that may be on social media there on Facebook to let me know at the end of the service if anybody comments during the service. We especially tonight uh, wanted to be able to go through the friends and family side, but I do want to just mention especially on the the Highland Baptist Church family there. We did add Roger Williams. He had his foot surgery. On Monday everything's going good from that he goes back on Friday for follow-up with the doctor and then proceeding from there uh, with his therapy and stuff so uh, just keep him in prayer that everything will continue uh, to go well uh, with that and so that's the only update that I had there on the HBC family side Uh, is there any others that you know of, of our yes yeah we didn't know his name and I tried to get a hold of her today okay so uh, Bertie Davis's brother had passed away and so we want to remember her uh, in our prayers his name is Kenneth something Robinson or Robertson and so uh, remember her uh, in your prayers uh, during this time uh, also any others there on the church family side any other updates that you know of that was one of the questions I was going to ask if anybody had an update on Bertie because I did not was not able to get a hold of her Okay. So the service, we believe, is Thursday. Where? In Huntsville. Okay. Uh, also, if you'll take a look at the friends and family side, we just want to go down this whole side here. If there's any updates you have on any of these, any that we can remove from the list, let us know that. Any we need to add to the list, let us know that uh, also. But we'll just go down the list on the friends and family side. Mike Couser, uh who has melanoma. Katie Joe Bailey, I don't have a new update on her. We'll try to share with you an update on her next week. Uh, but do remember her in prayer. Hers will continue to be a, a long-term uh, situation there. Uh, Wilbur Warren, who is Bill Warren's uh, brother. And I should have asked uh, last week when we asked about Bill. Um, uh, Sarah Jernigan, uh, she is uh, still in a coma in Chattanooga. Uh, that is Sherry Jernigan who used to be one of our worker with the CDC. It's her sister uh, that we continue to have there on the prayer list. Uh, Floyd and Sue Prince, who are Myra Patton's uh, parents. We wanna remember them uh, in prayer. They're still a long-term need. Uh, Amanda Harris uh, who is Mark Smith's niece uh, with breast cancer. Don Smith uh, who is his dad and that situation continues to be uh, pretty much the same there uh, as he is in hospice. That's Mark's miss dad. And then Greg Renfro, uh, who is uh, a cousin of Bell Royton's, who was waiting a kidney transplant. I don't have any update on that. Somebody I want to get with Bell, and we'll ask her and find out that information for you. Farrell is Bobby Farrell's brother, uh, and his situation is still the same. The, uh, it's going to be a ways until he's uh, able to, he wants to get him moved up here, but not sure that's uh, going to be able to happen. But Uh, just keep him in prayer uh, as he continues to be uh, in the situation there in Florida. Uh, Buddy Sanders, uh, who is Charles, or Buddy Saunders, who is Charles Saunders' brother uh, with medical issues. Uh, Jack Keis, who still has some heart issues, he's still pastoring there at Marble Plains, still continuing uh, on, uh, but uh, still has uh, some issues there and still covets our prayers. Uh, Cindy Cruz, who is my cousin, uh, who has liver cancer, uh, she is still doing treatment, so keep her in your prayers. We still want to pray for the people of Ukraine and all that they're going through. Mamie Thompson, uh, who is Amy Raymond's mom, uh, she is in her own apartment now, but just continue to pray for her. Uh, she was at um, Morningside for a while, for quite a while, uh, but now is in her own apartment, so remember her in prayer. Uh, Tracy Strobe, uh, who is on dialysis. This was a friend of Vicki Boswell's who she had asked to put on the list. Uh, Ryan Bond. has cancer Rhonda Morris who's still going through her treatments Uh, she's one of our CDC preschool teachers Uh, Kenny Boucher uh, who has Parkinson's he is uh, our next-door neighbor uh, in our subdivision where we live so continue to keep him in prayers he still has some ongoing things that he's going through some testing procedures that he hopes to after the first of the year to actually have a procedure done if everything qualifies and does well with that Remember Christine Cranford, uh, who has skin cancer. Uh, David Kohler, and then our Calgary Mission Project. Uh, Libby Kine, who is Rick Miller's mom, uh, who had a stroke, continue to remember her in prayer. Um, If you also remember uh, Matt Kohler's extended family, they've had several issues uh, that have been going on there with his family, with uh, medical issues. Uh, Tish Craig Gray, uh, who has uh, lymphoma, uh, started chemo, that's one of uh, his also. <coughs> Linda Ray, uh, who is home recovering. Randy Tatum, who is Ken Tatum's brother, who has cancer, that's gonna be an ongoing one. Jay Barbier, uh, who has cancer, but that is in remission from uh, what we understand there, from talking to him at the, uh, the state convention. Uh, While we were there and so we just praise the Lord uh, for that. So we'll remove Jay from our prayer list until he needs to maybe be added back. Uh, Maria Lee, uh, who is Governor Lee's wife who has lymphoma. Uh, The prognosis there was good that they caught things early, uh, but I've not heard any update uh, from them on on her situation, so, but do continue to remember her. Tim Forsyth, who is the associate pastor at Trinity Baptist Church, uh, is gonna be starting cancer treatment soon. Uh, in fact, I believe that he's already started that from uh, what we had here, so keep him in your prayers. Uh, Shirley Riddle, uh, who has pancreatic issues. Uh, Floyd and Hilda asked us to add them at her. Uh, Lisa Pitts, uh, who is Linda Smith's sister, who has medical issues. Uh, Katie Pugh uh, who has lymphoma uh, and then Robert Sims uh, this was added by Roger and Kay his wife passed away so, a couple of months ago uh, and so remember him with his cancer and then Virginia Craig uh, Griffin with the removal of her tumor and the recovery there think everything's going well but I'll follow up with Tommy to make sure Uh, about her situation. And Braden Windham is one that Bradley Rogers had asked us to add. Uh, This is a child about 12, 13 years old uh, who had a mass on his colon uh, and uh, wanna remember that family in prayer as they continue to proceed there. And then one that we did not add here that you need to add to your list is David Wall. Uh, David has filled in for me uh, several times in preaching. He had a stroke about two weeks ago now. Uh, So keep him in your prayers as he still is continuing. Uh, to recover from that and, and regaining mobility and all of those things, he is walking with a walker now. He at least, he needed assistance the, the first few days there; it still was wobbly and everything, but uh, is able to walk with, by himself with the walker now. So remember uh, David Wall in your prayers. Anybody else we need to add to the prayer list there or anywhere else or any other update? Okay, so this is uh, David Hess, Jim Hess' son. He's, he's uh, gonna be having a, David is gonna be having a test, right? Where they did the chemo uh, on him before. That's gonna be on this Friday. Uh, so remember him in prayer as he goes through that. Also, Steve Maybee, uh, his wife messaged me last part of last week. His test
1: for what they Not as good as they wanted. So
0: they're looking at some other options. Okay, so remember Steve Maybee. In your prayers, too, um, as his test results were not what we what they expected. Anyone else? All right. If there's no others, then let's go to the Lord in prayer, and then we'll uh, get right into our. Bible study and where we're headed for tonight. Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you so much for your grace and for your mercy and your loving kindness tonight. Lord, we thank you that you are present with us everywhere around this world at the same time as we are remembering this week to pray for our missionaries around the world. You are with them and you are with us. You are everywhere at the same time. and Lord, we thank you for being the great and mighty God uh, that you are. And that you care for us and you love us and you provide for us and you're there for us even when we don't always see what you're doing. Sometimes, Lord, we struggle uh, with things in our hearts as we're going to see in this passage tonight. And so, Father, I pray that uh, in those moments, in those times where we're facing difficulties as we want to uplift many who are tonight. Uh, Lord, we just first of all want to come and ask for forgiveness of our sins because we know that our sins affect us in so many ways. And we ask, Lord, that you would forgive us and cleanse us of our sin, uh, that you would renew us, that we would repent of our sin, turn away from it, and begin to follow you and to be more faithful than ever before. So, Father, I pray that as we do that, uh, Lord, may you continue to renew us not only uh spiritually but also physically and mentally and emotionally father i pray for your blessings to be upon us in great and mighty ways and so father we ask for uh, you to cast our sins as far as the east is from the west uh, never to be remembered a- anymore or held account held against us in account of us so father we pray that uh, as we come before you we don't want anything to hinder our prayers with you so we come before you for each one of these that are on our prayer list As we've confessed our sin, we're not holding on to it. Lord, we pray that there would be nothing in our lives that would uh, hinder that communication with you because we want a special blessing upon each and every one of these individuals. Uh, Lord, as we're looking at those on our family list, those on our friends and family, and those who are in the nursing homes and the hospitals. And so, Father, we pray that you would touch them with your divine hand. You are the great physician. So we ask, Lord, that you would bring the healing that they need to their bodies. We pray, Lord, that you would restore them, uh, set them up, Lord, that uh, as they recover from these things, may they testify and give glory and praise to your precious name uh, of what you're doing in their hearts and in their lives. And may we, Lord, be a witness of that. Lord, we pray not only for the physical needs that they have, we pray for all of the other needs because we know that you've told us in your word that your grace, is sufficient for all of our needs. So pour out your grace and your mercy upon each and every one of these individuals. And Lord, we pray that you will uh, just anoint them, uh, bring the healing that they need. And Lord, we just want to give you the glory and the honor for all that you're doing. Thank you for the healing you've already brought. Thank you for the good reports that we've heard. But Lord, we know there are many who are still in need. And we just pray that you will walk with them, give them the strength they need going through these valley times. And Father, we pray especially for those who have lost loved ones. May you embrace them in your love and your grace and your mercy. And, Father, I pray that you'll send the Holy Spirit, who is the great comforter, to comfort their hearts and their time of need and so lord we pray your blessings upon them in a special way too lord be with those missionaries that we are praying for around the world uh, through our week of prayer and we pray god that not only would we pray for them during this week but may you remind us each and every day uh, to pray for all of our missionaries whether they're uh here in north america or they're around the world or here in our state wherever they might be lord that they've accepted the call and lord i pray that we would stand with them uh, lord that we would support them financially that we would support them with our prayers and if we are able to go into to walk 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 and to work alongside of them in the work that they are doing for you. So we ask your blessings upon them wherever they may be. Open doors of opportunity for them to share the gospel and we pray, Lord, that you will give them the boldness to speak uh, where in whatever opportunities that you might give them. So lay your blessings upon them in a special way. Be with our Awana kids who are here tonight studying your word, memorizing your word. Lord, I pray that you'll just use all that we're doing with them uh, to transform and to change their lives and the lives of their family members. Father, I pray for our youth uh, who are working. Be with Pastor Matt and, and the others who are leading there. We just pray, God, that you will uh, give them wisdom and discernment and just open up opportunities, Lord, to share with those youth. And we pray that you will develop them uh, into the the new generation of the church coming forth uh, as they seek to share the gospel with their friends. And, Father, we just pray a special blessing upon them uh, as they're meeting tonight uh, in the building, too. So, Lord, bless us as we come tonight to this new passage uh, in the scripture for us in the book of Habakkuk, and we pray, God, that as we look through the book of Habakkuk, may you give us some encouragement, uh, Lord, that maybe we're going through some things or we know some individuals who are going through some things that we could point them to some of the things we're gonna learn here in the book of Habakkuk that can help us when we're struggling uh, with why things are happening the way that they're happening. And so, Father, I pray for your blessings upon your word tonight. Uh, Lord, I pray that we'll receive the blessing as we've been studying through the book of Revelation of hearing your word, reading your word, and in keeping it uh, here even in this uh, precious book that we're going to be looking at over the next few weeks. So we ask for your will to be done. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, take your Bibles, if you will, and turn to the book of Habakkuk. If you're wondering where in the world is that, find the book of Psalms. And then you're going to find uh, the book of Matthew, and it's almost a little more than halfway between uh, those two. And so we're going to be looking at chapter 1 tonight, chapter 2 next week. And then the week after Christmas, uh, we're gonna be looking at chapter three. And so uh, that's kind of where we're gonna be at uh, as you're trying to follow along with with where we're going. Uh, There'll be three messages, three chapters. It's a very short book, but it's a very powerful book also. You know, as we think about all the things that are happening around us in the world, all of the tragedy that happens, when we hear about tragedy, so often our thoughts go to the question, Why? Why? We look at the devastation of events and we ask that question, why? In fact, the two greatest questions that most people struggle with are, why does God and why doesn't God? Why does God and why doesn't God? Now, if you've ever watched the news and you've seen whether it's a man-made disaster or it's a natural disaster or maybe you've had some tragedy occur occur in your own life or in your own family, you can't help but ask those questions. Why does God allow a six-month-old baby to die in a car accident? Why doesn't God spare the lives of parents and kids in a fire? Why does God allow a Christian to go through the pain and the death caused by cancer? Or or maybe the question of why didn't God stop that terrible tragedy that claimed the lives of thousands of people? I mean, think about this. Have you ever doubted what God was doing? You ever questioned God? Well, in Habakkuk, Habakkuk is a book of the Bible built around a man who did just that. Uh, It's not a very familiar book of the Bible. If you turn there to the Old Testament, as we said, uh, you find the book of Psalms or Proverbs and the book of Malachi, uh, which is the end of the Old Testament right before Matthew. It's almost right there uh, between them. Uh, Habakkuk is one of the books called uh, A Minor Prophet. He's not one of the majors like Isaiah or Daniel or or Ezekiel or Jeremiah or or one of those guys who are the major prophets. He's one of the minor prophets. And of the minor prophets, he's one of the minor of the minor, if you will. Uh, And so, uh, But what we're going to see is in his message, there's really nothing minor about his message. The only time he's ever mentioned in all of the Bible is in this book that bears his own name. Uh, his name clues us in on what this book is all about. The name Habakkuk literally means to embrace or to wrestle. To embrace or to wrestle. So his very name embodies what uh, we're going to see that he does throughout uh, this book, the Hebrew word, it, it, there is a picture of a wrestler uh, in a match with an opponent, uh, and that's exactly what Habakkuk is doing in this book. It's not like the the fake wrestling that's out there today, all that staged. Sorry to pop some people's bubbles on that, but it's not real. This is real wrestling here. His wrestling is wrestling, wrestling with his faith in God, and he's wrestling with the God of his faith. And so what makes this particular prophetical book unique from all of the other ones is, is that where almost all the other prophetical books are either a long extended sermon or sometimes a, a kind of letter or, or just a repeated series of warnings against uh, Israel who was rebellious, this book is really a dialogue, if you will, between Habakkuk and God is his personal diary in some ways uh, of three prayers that he prays to God and two answers that God gives to him. Uh, So think about that, that if you've ever struggled with your faith or maybe you're struggling uh, with God right now, uh, having a hard time believing God cares, that God is even listening, that that God is involved or, or that God is even good, then this book is for you. If you've ever been mad at God, Or maybe you're mad at God right now because of something he did or maybe because of something he didn't do then this book is for you If the fire of your faith Is slowly but surely beginning to be extinguished by the waters of doubt then this book is for you also Because Habakkuk is wrestling with basically one question It's a question that's caused him sleepless nights. It causes him uh, his loss of appetite, uh, unbelievable depression and discouragement. He's looking at a world that's collapsing all around him let get the setting uh, of where, what's happening around him. Uh, it's a world unbelievably like the one we're living in right now where it seems like uh, everything that's not nailed down is coming apart, where it seems like the bad guys uh, went a lot more often than the good guys. He's wrestling with this question. If God is good, and if what the Bible says that God is in control, why is the world the way it is? if god is good and god is in control why is the world the way it is well one of the things that, that habakkuk encourages us to remember is that it's not a sin to doubt have those initial doubts it's when we stay in that and we let that paralyze us from doing what god wants us to do we're going to learn from habakkuk that if you deal with doubt the proper way your faith will come out stronger than ever before in his book called the gift of doubt gary parker writes this he says if faith never encounters doubt if truth never struggles with error if good never battles with evil how can faith know its own power it's my own pilgrimage he said if i have Uh, to choose between a faith that has stared doubt in the eye and made it blink or a naive faith that has never known the firing line of doubt. He said, I will choose the former every time. In the end, what we're going to learn about about Habakkuk is that Habakkuk's faith stares its doubt right in the eyes and his faith wins. So I want to warn you though, the battle's difficult. The struggle is hard. The victory is painful. And so as you look at habakkuk uh, who encountered a great question and he won a great struggle 2500 years ago here's what we learn today when we don't understand what god is doing we need to remember who god is when we struggle with what god is doing or why he's not doing something we need to remember who god is so habakkuk does two things to overcome the doubt that is putting out the fire of faith in his heart. Let's read verse 1 and verse 2 first, and then we'll get into the two things. Verse 1 and verse 2 uh, says this. And let me get over to my sermon so that when we have to leave. There we go. So verse 1 and verse 2 says, The oracle that Habakkuk the prophet saw, O Lord, how long shall I cry for help, and you will not hear or cry to you violence and you will not save. So so Habakkuk is seeing this all around him. He's seeing the needs help and he's crying out to God for help and he's saying, "Lord, how long am I going to have to keep calling out for help till help comes?" Uh, he says, you won't hear me. He says, or cry to you, violence. There's violence around me. Uh, your nation, your people are, are being destroyed. Uh, they're, they're doing evil. And, and it seems like you don't even care. You don't even hear. And you won't save us from the violence that's happening around us. Here's the two things that we need to learn from Habakkuk to overcome the doubt that is putting out the fire of faith in our hearts. First is this, honestly confront God. Honestly confront God. That's what Habakkuk does here in verse 1 down through verse 11. So we've read verse 1 and verse 2 there. Let me set the scene for when Habakkuk was written. The two greatest kings that Israel has ever had by far were David and then his son, King Solomon. That was the time that Israel experienced the greatest peace, the greatest blessing uh, that they experienced during Israel's history in the Old Testament was under David and under King Solomon. Uh, It was under those two that uh, their reign over Israel that Israel became uh, the world's number one superpower, if you will, during that day. There was a period of time when things were so right that they were literally invincible as a nation. Although being small and not as big as the Greeks or the Romans or or, or the Persians or the Babylonians, uh, they were a thorn in their side because it seemed like every time they, uh, that a nation tried to come against uh, Israel, the Philistines, uh, they couldn't defeat the Israelites. Uh, and it seemed like they were an invincible nation. But decay and decline began to set in when Solomon's heart began to leave the Lord. If you remember anything about Solomon's story, he disobeyed God and he began to intermarry with pagan women. Uh, He set up pagan shrines and and Israel began to fall into idolatry and so what he did affected the whole nation. After Solomon died, there was a a civil war of sorts uh, for control of the kingdom and the kingdom actually, after Solomon, breaks up into two kingdoms, a northern kingdom And a southern kingdom. Israel's in the north. Judah is in the south. Sometimes you uh, hear them called uh, different names, but that's the two primary names throughout the Bible. Israel in the north, Judah to the south. Eventually, because of Israel's rebellion, they were taken captive by the Assyrians, and only Judah was left. So the northern kingdom's already been taken into captivity, only Judah's left, but they are at the threshold of God's judgment upon them. For a while, God spares Judah, and even under a good king named Josiah, brings about revival to Judah and reform to a nation that had long ago left God, but the revival doesn't last. And once again, Judah begins to turn back to the paganism of of Solomon that he had brought in and idolatry. And they begin to disregard God's word. They begin to disobey God's law. And Habakkuk comes into the scene in that kind of climate, in that kind of world that he grows up in there. And and for a while in his life, Habakkuk had been praying for God to do something. We enter into the story after he's been praying for quite some time. He's been praying over and over and over and over. And, And so notice, Prayer here for Habakkuk, instead of becoming a solution, had become a problem. Now, Habakkuk's prayer journal doesn't begin at the beginning. As we said, he'd been praying a long time ago uh, to God for his country. He had been calling out to God day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year. And his frustration is at its limits. Uh, To put it mildly, he gets downright blunt with God, In fact, this is what makes Habakkuk a different kind of prophet from every other prophet in the Old Testament. Instead of confronting his people, which is what most of the prophets are doing, they're hearing from God and confronting the people. Instead of doing that, he's confronting God. His problem now is not so much the nation's sin, but God's indifference. And so almost insultingly, He basically says to God, I know you're not dead, but you sure must be deaf because you can't hear me. I keep praying and I keep praying and you just don't seem to hear anything I'm saying. That's what he's saying in verse 2 there. How long shall I cry for help? And you will not hear. Are you deaf, God? And so think about that. If you've ever had the experience of praying about something hard and long and, and something you believe that, that this is just a no-brainer for God, God surely would answer this and, and bring about this, and you're praying to God to answer, and, and you get no response. That's that's exactly how what Habakkuk was going through multiplied times over. Maybe you prayed for a baby to live, but the baby didn't. Or you prayed for that marriage to make it, but it failed. Or you prayed for bad things to change to good, but it just got worse. And you're tired of praying to God because you feel like he's not going to answer. It's not just God's indifference that's ripping Habakkuk's heart out, but it's God's seeming inaction. Because notice what he says in the remainder of verse 2 there. He says, or cry to you violence, and you will not save. You don't act. Notice verse 3 down through verse 4. He says, why do you make me see iniquity? Why do you make me see sin? And why do you idly look at wrong? You see it. I know you see it, God. You're all seeing. You have to see it destruction and violence are before me I know it's before you strife and contention arise verse 3 so verse 4 says so the law is paralyzed and justice never goes forth for the wicked surround the righteous so justice goes forth perverted so get the picture in the image of what Habakkuk looking at here Habakkuk is looking at a culture and a country that's literally disintegrating before his eyes It's interesting that he repeats the word violence twice uh, in these verses, this destruction and violence. And then he mentions it there again in verse 2. We are living in our days in an increasingly violent society, an increasingly violent nation and even world, Uh, whether it's abortion or euthanasia or abuse or shooting in schools or suicide bombers or riots in the streets or, or road rage. And yet we're supposed to believe, in spite of all that, that there's a God in heaven who is all good and who is all powerful. In our human perspective, from our human minds, it just doesn't compute. And it didn't compute for Habakkuk. Habakkuk here pinpoints the simple biggest problem, the single biggest problem that every one of us have with God. You know what it is? When we know God can and he doesn't. We know God is powerful to stop the flood. We know God is powerful to stop the tornado. We know God is powerful to stop that accident. We know God is powerful to remove a disease. But he doesn't. God can stop it. He can stop the violence. He can stop the injustice. He can stop the lawlessness. God can stop the oppression, but he doesn't. And so, when faced with that kind of problem, generally, we'll be told to do. Uh, we will be told to do one of two things. On the one hand, uh, there are some people who say. Uh, Whatever you do, don't question God. You'll offend God if you question God. Uh, You don't have any right to question Him. And even if you do question God, just keep that to yourself. On the other hand, there are some people who go to the other extreme and they simply say, Don't believe in God. Why would you believe in a God who can but doesn't? Why would you believe in a God who should but won't? Habakkuk says, I'm going to do both. I'm going to question God even while I believe. In God, So when you've hit the wall with God, and there are going to be times that you will if you haven't yet, when you wrestle with your faith and you wrestle uh, with, with the God of your faith and you're literally on the ropes, you will do one of three things. Some people will check out. There are some people uh, who used to come to church, they came faithfully, but they hit a rough spot in their life. Uh, Maybe it was in their finances that they hit a tough spot, or maybe it was in their marriage, or or their life isn't uh, firing on all eight cylinders, and, and, and you know what they've done? They just completely dropped out. At a time when they ought to be in the church more than ever, more than any other time in their life, they just quit. They check out. Other people back out. They just walk away from God altogether. They say, I knew this God thing wouldn't work. I knew it was too good to be true. I knew this wasn't for me. I knew this wasn't real. I knew this whole business about God was just some religious superstition because if God is who he says he is, then this world wouldn't be the way it is. You don't believe that? That's out there all over social media. That's the belief many people have. They've walked out. They've backed out. Both of those views are wrong. What we need to do is what Habakkuk did. We need to talk it out. When you don't talk it out with the Lord, you're never going to grow in that faith with the Lord. You know, On the one hand, notice what Habakkuk doesn't say. He doesn't say, well, I guess there's no hope. On the other hand, he doesn't say, well, there really isn't a problem. He doesn't pretend with God and he doesn't pout with God. He wrestles with God. So so think about that. If you're frustrated with God, tell him. Uh, Can I let you in on a little secret? He already knows if you're frustrated with him. He already knows if you're struggling in your faith, if you're having questions uh, about God. So go ahead and talk to him. Go ahead and question him. He knows you're questioning him already anyway. Understand this. Your questions are not too big for God. God can handle any questions that you have. He can handle any frustrations that you may have. God can handle your doubts. That's Habakkuk's first prayer. Now we come to God's first answer. And so remember this, God always has answers to prayer. He doesn't always answer prayer in the way we want to hear it, and sometimes not even in a way that we can hear it or want to hear it. Sometimes it may be in a way that we may not even recognize it But he does answer God's answer is amazing look at verse 5. So here's the first answer He says look among the nations So look out there amongst the heathen amongst all the ungodly not here in Israel Look among the nations and see Wander and be astounded for I am doing a work in your days That you would not believe If you were told for behold I am raising up the Chaldeans, that bitter and hasty nation who march through the breadth of the earth to seize dwellings not their own. They are dreaded and fearsome. Their justice and dignity go forth from themselves. Their horses are swifter than leopards, more fierce than the evening woods. Their horsemen press proudly on. Their horsemen come from afar. They like an eagle swift, they fly like an eagle swift to devour. They all come for violence, all their faces forward. They gather captives like sand. At kings they scoff and at rulers they laugh. They laugh at every fortress. For they pile up earth and take it. Then they sweep by like the wind and go on, guilty men whose own might is their God. In effect, what God is saying to Habakkuk is, you think things are bad now, you haven't seen anything yet. He's saying, I've been in the process of answering your prayers for a long time. You just didn't know it. The reason I haven't told you until now, God is telling him, is because if I did tell you, you wouldn't have believed it to start with. And secondly, you wouldn't have understood it. Because think about Who is he using? He is using the Chaldeans. He is using the Babylonians. He is using a godless nation to bring about his will. And anybody who would have heard that would have said, that doesn't make any sense to me. They would have understood it. And that's what he's telling Habakkuk. He reminds seven, he says seven words to Habakkuk here that reminds us uh, of the old saying, be careful what you pray for or you might get it. Uh, here are those words. For behold, I'm raising up the Chaldeans or the Babylonians. That's what you see there in verse 6. God says, Habakkuk, you've been praying for deliverance for your nation. I'm going to deliver them. I'm going to deliver them right into the hands of the worst nightmare they could ever have. The Babylonians didn't conquer nations they crushed them they raped the women they butchered their babies they they burned the houses and the fields their method of operation was very simple and came down to two words devastate and destroy what made it all the worse was the last thing that was said about them in verse 11 where it says whose own might is their God their God was their own power Their God was their strength. Their God was their military might. What God was saying is, you've been praying that I would send revival to your nation. I'm not going to send revival. I'm going to raise up a pagan, wicked, ruthless nation to wreak havoc and to destroy your nation because I'm bringing judgment. At this point, Habakkuk probably feels something like saying, oh, wait a second. You could just go back to doing nothing, God. I don't want that to happen. Uh, Why don't you just go back to sleep? I don't care if you don't hear. uh, Why don't you just forget the whole thing? Forget that I even brought this up. But God's reply is a lesson that we all need to learn, a principle that we all need to remember when we are wrestling with God. Here's the point. Don't ever judge God by what you think you would do if you were God, because you're not God. Because what we tend to do when we get upset with God is, God, if I were God, here's how I would do it. Well, you're not God, and he wouldn't do it that way. He's going to do it the way he wants to do it. So now Habakkuk has a problem. He had reached a desperation point with God. You're going to raise up a nation more wicked then than my nation, you're going to raise up a nation more sinful than my nation. You're going to raise up a nation more horrible than my own nation to destroy my nation. And you're sitting there thinking to yourself, I can relate to that. I asked God for one thing and he gives me the opposite. I ask God for a good thing and it seems like he sent me a bad thing. I ask God for this and he gives me that. At that point, what do you do? Well, notice the second thing Habakkuk does to overcome the doubt that's putting out the fire of faith in his heart. Faithfully commend God. So even though you're going to talk to God and you're going to express God and you're honestly going to confront him because he already knows anyway, you're also going to need to faithfully commend God. So, so look at verse 12 down to verse 17. He says, Are you not from everlasting, O Lord my God, my Holy One? We shall not die, O Lord. You have ordained them as judgment, and you, O Rock, have established them for reproof. You who are of pure eyes than to to see evil and cannot look at wrong, why do you idly look at traitors and remain silent when the wicked swallows up the man more righteous than he? You make mankind like the fish of the sea, like crawling things that that have no ruler. He brings all of them up with a hook. He drags them out with his net. He gathers them in his dragnet so he rejoices and is glad. Therefore, he sacrifices to his net and makes offering to his dragnet. For by them he lives in luxury and his food is rich. Is he then to keep on emptying his net and mercilessly killing nations forever? Can, can, Can Babylon just keep on doing that? So Habakkuk's at this crossroad. What's he going to do? <coughs> he's so frustrated that God seemingly hadn't listened to his prayer, that God wasn't answering his request. And now he's even more frustrated because he believes God is, you gave me the wrong answer, God. That can't be what you're doing. And so instead of giving Habakkuk what he wanted for his country, God was going to give what he knew his country needed. Habakkuk didn't like the answer. So what do you do at that point? If it's you, do you check out? Do you back out? Or do you talk it out? Even after you talk it out and you still aren't satisfied, then you've got to do what Habakkuk did. You've got to go back to the basics. In essence, you've got to go back to the beginning. You've got to go back to the one who was there in the beginning. You've got to go back to God. Uh, you've got to remind yourself of who you are wrestling with you've got to remind yourself of who you're struggling with Uh, you've got to remind yourself of who you're upset with when you don't understand what God is doing remember who God is who is this God well verse 12 are you not from everlasting O Lord my God my Holy One. So the first thing you have to remember about God is that he is eternally wise. He's the everlasting God. He was here before all of this came into being and he'll be there when it's all passed away. He's not limited by time. He's not limited by space. None of us have ever seen the beginning and most of us will never see the end. God sees them both though, from eternity past to eternity present to eternity future. God has never made a mistake and he never will. And that's step one into putting the problem into perspective, recognizing that he's eternally wise. Secondly, also noticing that he is holy. That's what verse 12 also says. So in one word, you just read the number one attribute of God found in all the Bible. He is the holy God. This is how holy he is. Verse 13 says, you are of purer eyes than to see evil and cannot look at wrong. And so uh, don't misinterpret what that means. That doesn't mean that God doesn't see sin. He sees everything. Nothing's hidden from his eyes. What it means is that even though God sees sin, he doesn't look with approval on sin. Habakkuk is really reminding himself who God is and he is perfectly holy. And so not only is he perfectly holy for him to ever do wrong would mean that he wouldn't be holy. And therefore would no longer be God, and not even God would compromise or deny his own holiness. Uh, But notice also, uh, as you see there uh, in verse 13, or in verse 12, I'm sorry, verse 13, uh, as you saw how holy he is there, verse 12 reminds us also that he is sovereignly powerful. He is sovereignly powerful. He controls history. He controls destiny. He controls this world and everything and everyone in it. And even though the Babylonians, even though they rose up, uh, they thought they rose up on their own, they really didn't. God raised them up. God raised them up for his specific purpose and his specific plan. And now it all comes together for Habakkuk at least momentarily. Habakkuk's in the same position that many people find themselves in. I just don't understand what God is up to. And based on what I'm seeing, I can't believe this is the way God is choosing to work in my life. But Habakkuk finally gets it. If God is eternally wise, then he has a plan. A plan that'll work. A plan that'll work best. A plan that's right if god is perfectly holy then whatever the outcome is of my situation it cannot be evil it has to be good in some way somehow it can't possibly be the wrong thing it has to be the right thing if god is sovereignly powerful then whatever is happening isn't happening by chance it's not just bad luck but i have to remember God is still on his throne. God is in control. He knows what he's doing, and he knows why he's doing it. Which leads us to our final thing that I want you to see. That there are three lessons for us to remember. Here are those three lessons. When I don't think God is listening, know this, he is. He just told Habakkuk, I was listening all this time. I've been trying to answer your prayer all this time, just not in the way you thought I should answer it. So when I don't think God is listening, he is. Secondly, when I don't think God has a plan, you better know he has a plan. It may not be the plan you want, it may not be the answer in the way you want it to be, but it's his plan and it is a good plan. And then thirdly, when I think things are out of control, Know this, it's not out of control. None of that caught God by surprise. So when the fire of your faith begins to go out and things just don't make sense and you can't believe that God is involved in the way things are turning out in your life and you ask the question, why this disaster? Why this tragedy? Why this difficulty? Sometimes it's so that God can miraculously deliver you. So that it's not of you that got you out of this situation at all. It's totally of God. Sometimes it's for God's correcting punishment as it was for the nation of Israel here. Sometimes it's just simply to push you down on your knees and to bring you to the place of repentance in your heart. Sometimes it's to teach us patience. Because understand this, God does not give patience. He teaches patience you have to go through some things to learn patience sometimes is to get us to put our eyes on eternity and to get our eyes off of the world sometimes it may be for all of the above and more but there's always a reason and if you're still not convinced that God can take the greatest evil and turn it into the greatest good all you have to do is look to the cross of jesus christ what man looked at because remember those disciples looked at jesus being crucified on that cross and they thought that was the end of the world they thought that was a horrible thing that was happening and it was because it was our sin being placed on jesus christ but ultimately that was god's plan to bring about something even greater When those disciples stood at that cross, they they were shaking their fists in the face of God saying, What are you doing? How could you let this happen? I thought this was your beloved son in whom you were well pleased. Why did you let him die? For the next three days, they were in utter despair and depression, and they didn't know what in the world to do. They felt like their whole lives had just fallen apart. They thought, I thought you sent him to set this world right to solve all of our problems, to save us from our enemies. But know this, when their faith was almost gone, three days later, on a Sunday morning, at an empty tomb, the light came on. And they remembered who God really is. And they realized he really was listening, and he really was working, and that he really was accomplishing his purpose all along. Understand this in your life. When things look their darkest, Jesus shines his brightest. You're struggling? He already knows it. Just admit it with him. Talk it out with him. Go to him in prayer. Faithfully commend God. Recognize who he is. He is the sovereign God who is all wise, who is in control, who who does hear, and who will answer. But remember these three things. When you don't think he's listening, he is. When you don't think he has a plan, he does. And when you think things are out of control, they're not. Stop doubting God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this passage tonight and for all that we're going to see here in the book of Habakkuk. Lord, I pray that no matter what we may be struggling with now or whatever may be around the corner, if we're not going through some struggle right now, Father, that we would always come back to these principles to remember so that when we're going through those times, we'll be honest with who we are and the the thoughts we're having because you already know it, and that we'll confess those things before you. And, Lord, that you will use those crises and those things that we're going through to bring about glory for you and good for us. Even if we don't understand how something that's happening to us right now could possibly be good, we know that you have a perfect plan and a perfect will. So help us, Lord, to just trust you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for joining tonight, and I hope you got a blessing from that. I did, too. Uh, we're going to be in Habakkuk chapter 2 next week. So if you want to read ahead, read ahead. Uh, there's a lot that we're going to look at in these next two chapters. I uh, hope you've had a blessed week so far. You have a blessed rest of your week. We'll be back Sunday uh, Sunday morning at 9.15 for Sunday school, uh, 10.30 for worship. So come and join us in person or join us online there if you can. Uh, but you have a blessed week, and we'll see you next week.